Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. John, we have a great show lineup for today. Um, a lot of interesting stuff to talk about. You know, we're going to start off here talking about uh, moving into a retirement community. Yeah, you got to do some homework. Um, these things right. can be expensive, and we have some in the uh, Aiken Augusta area. I have a good good friend who moved down to the villages down in Florida. That community is a hundred thousand people strong. It's massive. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, and so you got to be careful. You know, you, there's some questions that you should be asking and some research that you should do before you write that check. So we'll dive into that and talk about it. Yeah, that's becoming a very popular choice. And uh, so it's really important. You know, it's a big financial commitment as well. So you want to make sure you get that right. So that's a great topic. And then we're also going to talk about the 10 retirement tips. You know, if you're moving into retirement, planning for retirement, um, these are 10 things that you need to, to look out for and make sure you have in place and you get them right. So you want to pay attention to that as well. Um, by the way, my name is Steve Marbert. I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Investor Pro with over 23 years experience in providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis, also a Dave Ramsey Smart Investor Pro. I have an MBA in finance and have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 25 years. We're excited to have you listening to us today on our weekly show. Our podcasts are up every Friday afternoon. Yeah, check out the website, moneymd.net. That's where we have a link to the podcast. I uh, also have a lot of videos, a lot of tools out there. We have a Twitter account. Matthew's actually tweeting every single day in August. So if you haven't seen some of those tweets, go check that out. Follow us, uh, MoneyMD, and also Facebook. We we post on Facebook as well. So um, a lot of different ways to connect with the Money Doctors. Also, you can email us directly. You can email us at info at moneymd.net, or you can link to us off our website. We're going to start off here, John, with the financial fact of the week. Yeah, this is a, a little sombering financial fact, Steve. I, I was reading a, an article, and it was talking about the um, the uh, the difficulties from a financial standpoint of divorce. Now, obviously, divorce affects a, you know, pretty much every area of your life, relationships and uh, emotional and spiritual mm -hmm. and so forth. But financial, it is a big deal. And um, the statistic I saw was 40% of um, marriages today end in divorce. So I've always Ouch. heard half, but 40% yeah. is kind it's of the number. number. And of 2016, half of the working age households, um, you know, were were at risk. And if you look at divorce, how significant it is, this will put it in perspective. Um, divorce pushes an individual's retirement risk, makes it more difficult to retire. It increases that risk by seven percentage uh, points. And for comparison, the 2008 financial crisis um, increased it by nine points. Wow. So it's in the same ballpark as having a, you know, a, a bear market for a year and a half. So it's a big deal. Yeah, divorce <laughs> is a huge expense, and uh, it does set back a couple dramatically when preparing for retirement. Because we see that, you know, with our clients, I mean, we do, we do see divorces, mm -hmm. you know, unfortunately, several a year. And invariably, there's a lot of expense involved with it. There's attorney fees and there's, you know, splitting up the assets. And, and then there's there's usually a lot of emotional, foolish financial decisions that are made during that process that are also expensive. And, you know, you're selling houses and you're, you're moving and, and all these sorts of things that that drag down one of anyone's financial situation. So. 
you want to be careful of that. Um, just be aware that it's a it's a very expensive process. You know, you you got to be careful. prepared. Yeah, be prepared and careful yeah. not to let that ruin your future. Um, so, a good financial fact of the week, and that leads up here to our first topic, and that is um, doing your homework before moving into a retirement community. Yeah, this is a really popular thing now. We're seeing more and more. You know, the baby boomer is kind of moving in that direction. And, um, you know, it's a big financial decision. It is. This comes from uh, CNBC. Darla Mikado wrote this, and uh, we'll be talking about it a little bit today. And, you know, retirees hoping to spend their golden years in a retirement community should really slow down before they they sign over their savings. Um, these communities are called Continuing Care Retirement Communities, or CCRCs. Um, you know, they give retirees the opportunity to age in one location, moving from an independent living facility um, to uh, an assisted living uh, facility and, and eventually to a skilled nursing care. So one one location, you have all those different options. And the arrangement, uh, you know, is convenient. Uh, a lot of times it's luxurious, um, but some older Americans may overlook the financial due diligence that they need to undertake before committing to a facility. And, you know, a lot of times retirees, Steve, they can shell out well over $100,000 as an initial deposit um, and signing on for additional monthly payments that may change over time as their care increases. So you need to make sure you understand what you're signing up for. Yeah, these can be can be very expensive, big financial commitments. You know, they, they kind of start at 100000 and they go way oh, up from definitely. there. Right. John, we've seen some really expensive ones depending on where you live. And uh, but you need to walk through the the memory care, the nursing care facilities. You need to talk to people. You know, look at the staffing. Are the people getting help? You know, from the staff. Are the residents happy and cared for? You know, for many people, even though this is the the largest purchase in their lives, um, you know, they 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 put in a good chunk of their retirement savings. And but they don't do their homework. So you need to talk to the residents. You need to see how happy they are read some reviews, you know, make sure you get a really good picture of what's going on in the retirement facility and just making sure that, you know, it's a good decision for you. Yeah, there was uh, one example here of a, um, a family that paid $2 million up front to reside in one of these uh, continuing care communities. Um, they did have a, a a rule that they would get 90% back, the family would get 90% back if they yeah. moved out or died regardless of how long they stayed there. And obviously that refund policy is going to be different, but you know, 10% of 2 million is, is $200,000. That's a big number. Yeah. It's still, a big even number. though they're going to give you it back and they're also holding that 1.8 million and doing whatever they need to with it interest free. So there's some cost certainly buried in there. And a lot of people won't hesitate to write a six or seven figure check to the facility, but it's a bigger hurdle to have an accountant or, you know, advisor review those balance sheets um, as well. And at the end of 2017, there were about close to 2,000 such communities in the U.S. And um, so here's what you should should know and some of the questions that you ought to ask as you go into this process. Yeah, first of all, of course, you want to check out the amenities. Um, you know, you want to narrow down the community continuing care center that you're interested in to the ones that... Um, you know, fit your lifestyle. Um, and that's what you want to look at. So, you know, you're opting to spend the rest of your life there. So we want to make sure it fits what you're picturing for, you know, the rest of your life. You're talking about everything from floor plans to meal plan services to the amenities. 
And so think about what activities you like to do and make sure those fit the lifestyle in that community. Yeah, I mean, there's you know amenities, um, fitness centers, uh, cafes, bistros. Uh, down at the villages, it's it's amazing. We went down there and visited our friends and all the activities they have. It's just, it, I mean, there's they have like over a hundred clubs that you can join, and wow. obviously a lot of golf and and music and so forth. So, you know, though the 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 living facilities usually are, are showstoppers. You got to have that up front, but you should also check out the assisted living and the nursing care departments um, before you decide. That may be down the road a little ways, but you want to understand what that looks like. Um, walk through the memory care um, unit and the nursing care and talk to people. Look at the staffing. Are the people getting help from the staff? Are the residents happy and being cared for? So you can go through and observe quite a bit and, and make some decisions based on that. Another thing, Steve, you want to look at is dig into the books. Another reason to look closely at your at your center that you're looking at is if it's independent living quarters or sparsely occupied, uh, there may be some financial troubles ahead. In some cases, lower than 90% occupancy can suggest an issue with being able to, to fill you know, the certain units with new residents. And the inability to maintain a high occupancy level could be an indicator of a problem in the future. So that's, yeah, that's a good, good suggestion. That's right. You want to get into the details and you want to work through them with your accountant. You know, the key financial reports to obtain from your continuing care center include Things like their audited financial statements, their data on their monthly service fee increases, um, the financial ratios, the reserves, um, all of these things are important. And consider, you know, if they're planning to return your deposit, you know, after you pass away, then they're going to have to be around for a long time and be financially healthy to be able to do that. And if they're not, then, you know, your deposit could be at risk. Also, the fees could go up substantially. You've Mm -hmm. already moved in there. You've gotten accustomed to it, you put down a big deposit, and then what if they start raising your fee? So you want to look at all those factors and make sure that they're in good financial shape. Yeah, if they run into financial difficulty, there's certainly no guarantee they'll they'll get the fee back um, or the deposit back, and their fees could certainly change. So make sure you understand their financial condition. Um, also review the state's rules. Um, they're regulated by states, uh, the individual states that they're based in, and uh, the degree to which those regulators will scrutinize the communities obviously are going to vary. Uh, For instance, some states require that these communities have a resident um, contracts approved by regulators and that their policies must address how and why monthly fees may increase. Um, So that's that's been done recently. And prospective residents should also reach out to the agency that oversees these facilities within the state. And um, here's a list of some of the state agencies that regulate the uh, retirement communities and some other questions to ask as well. Yeah, that's right. And so some what are some of the other questions to ask? Well, don't be swayed by the glossy brochures and the luxurious furnishings. Ask lots of questions as you visit the facilities. You know, one question would be, how much is my entry fee and how much is refundable of mm-hmm. that? Yeah. Um, you know, some agreements will give you 90% refund of your upfront fee if you change facilities or if you pass away within a certain time period. Um, many contracts will say that you or your heirs will receive a refund once your unit is reoccupied. So you need to understand those details. You know, that could mean it could take some time to get your money back. And, of course, as we just mentioned, you know, if they go bankrupt or have financial difficulties, then obviously all bets are off and your your money would be at risk. So you want to ask those questions and make sure you dig into those details 
before you move in. Yeah, certainly getting in and writing is going to be important. Um, we talked about this a little bit. Uh, look at the balance sheets. That's their financial statements, their audited financial statements, the long-term debt to uh, total asset ratio, making sure they're able to service that debt. Um, you ask a question of, do they work with an actuarial firm? Um, these firms help these facilities determine whether the pricing is adequate for their residency contracts and ensure that they're setting aside reserves for future obligations. And and not all states require that. So that's a very important making sure that the pricing is right. Otherwise, it's going to have financial difficulty in the future. And uh, we mentioned this as well. What's included in the monthly fee? What's extra? You know, along with the upfront fee, residents will pay a, a certain amount each month that will will will, ba- will vary based on the contract. So, um, this is a great topic. We do have um, <clears throat> clients uh, have some clients recently that moved down um, into the Hilton Head area because they like the community down there. Right. They they did a lot of research and um, they looked at the villages down in Florida. And I know there's some places here in Aiken and Augusta, but spend a lot of time and and um, you know don't make a, a rash decision like you said the the glossy brochures and a lot of people, I mean, a lot of facilities will put their best foot forward, but you got to make sure you're making a good long-term decision. Yeah, it's a really important decision, and it's a big financial commitment. And uh, so you want to make sure that, you know, what you've spent your whole life accumulating and saving up is not put at risk by, by choosing a, a poor facility. So big decision. You want to make sure you you get that right and do your homework. But that's a great topic, you know, and that's uh, – that's a good one. And that leads us up here to our question of the week. Yeah, this question uh, I met with a couple recently, and Steve, I know you've had these conversations as well. But the question is, is my fiance, my fiance and I are getting married. Uh, we're both on our second marriages. We have kids um, coming, you know, from, from previous spouses. And so what, what's your advice for, um, you know, couples that are, are have a blended family? And I, I certainly think um, talking about it um, and disclosing any um, – debt or, or, you know, just the past financial history is, is very, very important. And then also kind of developing a plan going forward, making sure you're on the same page. We, we, uh, you know, a lot of times recommend, you know, Dave Ramsey's class, the FPU class is a great class to take. Yeah, absolutely. Like you mentioned, you said the magic word is get on the same page. You know, you want to look at finances, talk about finances, understand who's going to pay for what, um, and you know, how you're going to handle your money. As a married couple now, um, you know, are you going to have joint accounts? Is everything going to be kept separate? Um, so just just understand that picture so you don't create stress in a relationship that doesn't need to be there. You know, just good communication up front and understanding the financial piece will alleviate a lot of stress in a relationship that, um, you know, could be handled ahead of time. Yeah, and this couple actually went to pre-marriage counseling at, at uh, our <clears throat> church, and they would refer to me, you know, from the church to talk about the financial piece of it. So thumbs up to them for, for taking the right steps. I think that's, yeah. uh, that's certainly the right right plan of action. Great. Yeah, that's a great question of the week. And that leads us up here to our next topic, and that is the 10 retirement tips. Um, this oh, is a, Only 10. Only 10. There's a lot more, but we kept out the, you know, the non-important ones. That's right. These are the most important tips, if you will. These actually come from an article out of uh, Investopedia very recently, Dana Brewer. Um, And so, but talking about retirement, you know, such an important issue. And there's some things in life, John, that you get a second chance at if you mess up the first time. But retirement really isn't one of those um, you know, there are no do-overs for retirement. Once you retire, sure, you can, you know, maybe take a part-time job, delay Social Security, stretch out a bit if necessary, but 
your savings is pretty much set once you retire. It's hard to add to your savings once you cut off that main income stream. So you want to get this one right, and you want to know where you stand long before you turn in that retirement notice. And so if you have recently entered retirement, it's time to start enjoying retirement as much as possible. Um, But it's important to know that your savings will last as long as you do. So here are some financial tips to help make the most of your assets and to live the retired life you've always wanted. First one here is, obviously, you need to understand your lifestyle expenses. You need to understand what your budget is. You know, track your spending for a few years prior to retirement to know what it's really going to take to financially fund your lifestyle. So obtain your, you know, take-home pay, you know, minus your savings and your investments. That's a good indicator of what you're going to spend in retirement. So if you just take what you're, you're, you're taking home, take out what you're saving and what your investments are, then you'll have probably what it's going to take for you to retire on. Um, but don't forget about those non-monthly expenses like real estate taxes, insurance premiums as well. Yeah, those can definitely sneak up and get you. And then you also want to make sure that you're aware of um, some of these costs are going to change. In retirement, some of them actually decrease. Health insurance for those over the age of 65 when they hit Medicare will will decrease depending on you know what you're paying before. Vehicle expenses typically decrease because you're not doing the daily commute. But you have some other ones that, that can and likely will increase if you like traveling, uh, dental expenses. Um, or the cost of home improvements um, that you have time to do now. So there are you need to make sure you, you budget and you plan for the increases and decreases. Yeah, and also understand taxes. That's another one here. <clears throat> um, retirees, they'll often scale down their work lives from full-time to part-time uh, to not working at all. Um, but once you start reducing your income, your tax profile will change each year as you scale back. And this should create some planning opportunities like lower tax brackets where you can maybe convert IRA money to a Roth or realize long-term gains with zero taxes if you're in the 12% bracket currently. Um, So continuing to work, though, even part-time instead of retiring completely can increase Medicare insurance premiums due to that continued income. And it can impact how much your Social Security benefits will be taxed. So you want to look at taxes, make sure you understand how that's going to be affected during retirement and how it'll change. Yeah, and another thing you really got to think about, and Steve, I know we spend a lot of time on this, is creating your retirement paycheck. And you know, a lot of retirees have multiple investment accounts. They have IRAs and, and Roth IRAs. They have uh, joint or individual accounts. And how you take money from each of those accounts to provide your needed income will probably it will will impact your taxes and so you can do some planning here kind of what you mentioned a minute ago you can potentially reduce your overall tax cost and balance your tax situation for years to come. And I know we spend time on helping clients figure out where to pull money from to try to minimize their taxes. And you know, you got to plan, you know, out ten to twenty to thirty years, um, you know, to to for sustained income. We we look out to age ninety five as our target. Yeah, that's right. And along those same lines, you need to decide when you're going to take Social Security. Um, Of course, you become eligible for Social Security at age 62. And if you delay, your benefits will continue to increase all the way up to age 70 at 7 to 8 percent per year. So you want to understand your options and how much money you may be leaving on the table if you decide to take those benefits early. Um, so in general, the longer you think that you're going to live, the more that it makes sense to delay taking the benefit. Um, social security that, you know, their, their calculation is available 
on the website, um, but it'll be <clears throat> based on the assumptions that you'll die at an average age. According to the Center for Disease Control, <clears throat> that's about age 78.8 years <clears throat> for the average person. But once you reach age 60, it stretches out to age 81 to age 84, um, depending on your gender. So if you're healthy or if your family typically lives much longer than average, you may want to consider delaying your benefit because, like we said, it goes up 7 to 8% per year, and that's a big difference over time. Next one here is consider your spouse's retirement income after your death. <clears throat> so you want to consider what the survivor income is going to look like uh, for you and your spouse. You know, if you're married, you will also want to evaluate how your Social Security strategy may impact your spouse's um, retirement income after your death. So delaying your <clears throat> highest earning spouse's benefit or leveraging your spouse's benefit before switching to your own benefit may make the most sense for you. Um, keep in mind that survivor of the two of you will get the larger benefit for the remainder of the second life. So you need to plan for two life expectancies for the larger Social Security benefit. So Social Security can be a little tricky. You yeah. want to do some planning there and make sure you're making a smart decision about when to take Social Security. Yeah. Number seven here on the list is understand how your investments support your income needs. And, you know, stock and, and bond markets, obviously, they go up, they go down. Um, uh, you know, which needs to be taken into consideration when you determine how much you're going to need from your investments to support your lifestyle. And there are a lot of studies that have been done that try to identify, you know, the amount that you can take out that's going to allow the money to last for your lifetime. And obviously no one can predict the future. Um, but, you know, the general industry says about 4% initially gives you a pretty high probability that you're not going to run out of money. And, you know, as long as you have a reasonably diversified investment strategy, 5% maybe if you um, if you're invested well and you have enough equities, but certainly 4% is a safer number. Yeah, that's a good number. For example, you know, based on this strategy, if you had a million dollars of assets, that would be nice. You could take home about $40,000 from your investments in one year. Um, the taxes for that amount would depend on what kind of investment accounts that you're, you're in. But if it's a retirement account, then it'll be fully taxable, like an IRA or 401k plan. Um, Roth IRA would be tax-free. If it's after-tax money, then it would be taxed at either short-term or long-term capital gains rates. Um, so you want to make sure you understand the tax situation, but that 4% withdrawal number is a is a pretty safe number. We have seen people take up to 5%. That works well, too, if markets do okay, but, you know, you have to be careful. I mean, it, it does lower your probability that it's going to last your entire life. Next one here is budget for the unexpected expenses. <clears throat> you know, use savings buckets to set aside money in your savings accounts for a variety of needs, including your emergency fund. Um, how much you should keep in the account, you know, is a factor of, of a couple. It depends on a couple variables. One of them is your risk capacity. You know, how much you can reduce your <clears throat> spending if needed. How flexible is your spending? You know, if you ever need... Um, if you need every penny that you're taking from your investments just to pay your monthly bills, then you're going to have very low risk capacity and you may need to have a higher emergency fund balance, maybe six months worth of expenses. Um, however, if you have more flexibility, then you might be able to lower that down to maybe three months worth of expenses. Also, there's a sleep at night factor. You know, how much do you need to keep 
in cash to be able to comfortably sleep at night when markets are down. You know, that amount varies greatly from person to person, and both spouses need to be considered when you when you think about, you know, what your risk tolerance is and how comfortable you are with the ups and downs that you see your retirement account making from mm-hmm. month to month. Yeah, that's right. Another item here on the list, Steve, is required minimum distributions. At age 70 and a half, you're required to take a certain amount of money from your tax-deferred accounts, such as IRAs and 401ks. And the IRS calls this a required minimum distribution, called an RMD for short, and has uh, and has a determined uh, the percentage based on your age. And so each year, the percentage increases slightly and is based on the prior year's ending balance for those accounts. Uh, you're required to withdraw this minimum amount and pay the taxes on it. There are some tax strategies. Uh, it's called QCD, Qualified um, Distribution, that you can do to help with that. But um, you know, if you're not uh, going to do the QCD, you have to take that out. Um, the RMD percentage is about 3.65%. Um, so if you have a million dollars, that's going to be $36,500. They're going to require you to take out. It may throw you in a higher tax bracket. You should, you're going to pay federal and state taxes on it. So you got to make sure you, you bring that into the equation. That's right. And then 3.65% is the first year, the first year seven right. and a half. And it goes up gradually from there. Um, if you don't need that amount to live off of, then you can just pay the taxes on it and you can turn around and reinvest it yeah. back into a non-taxable account. Right. We have a lot of clients doing that. We do. So you don't have to turn around and spend it all, but you do have to take that starting 3.65% out each okay. year. Got to pay the piper. And so you can pay tax on it. And the last one here on the list, though, is uh, be aware of how your expenses change over time. Um, you know, as you work through your retirement plan, consider the likelihood that your expenses are going to change over time. You know, we often segment retirement uh, into kind of the, the go-go years, the, the slow-go years, and then the, the go-go, the no-go phases. Um, so there's kind of three phases here, you know. The first phase is, you know, go-go. You usually involves fairly active lifestyle. That's when you first retire. You're trying to knock out your bucket list. Um that you may not have had time to do while you were working. And so this is a more expensive stage of retirement. We see people spending more money in the early years of retirement. And then there's kind of the slow-go years in the middle where, you know, it involves staying closer to home. Maybe you've knocked out your major bucket list. You might have some minor health issues um, or other obligations that would keep you closer to home. And it's a slightly less expensive time of retirement than the than the initial go-go years. Some expenses may decrease, such as going, you know, to from two cars to one car, or maybe you get rid of a third car uh, at that period. And then there's the no-go years. You know, that happens when health issues require you to either move into a facility that provides some assistance, or you, you bring assistance into your own home. Um, so you have some things that are keeping you home at that period, and, you know, you're probably not in the mood to travel a whole bunch when you have health issues and things that can creep up. Um, And these, you know, the costs tend to increase in in the no-go years simply from health issues. And you may want to consider purchasing long-term care insurance for that period of your life in advance with the help, uh, to help with the cost at this stage. So those are kind of the stages of retirement. You want to make sure you plan for those and you have kind of a good picture of what retirement's going to look like for you financially, but, you know, also emotionally and, you know, what you're going to do in retirement. So those are the retirement tips to consider. Very good. 
Yep, and that leads up to our final thing here, and that is the prescription of the week. Yeah, this actually came from Matthew. He's tweeting, uh, like I said, on a daily basis. So if you're on Twitter, go check out MoneyMD. Um, and so this was the tweet, I think, from two days ago. He said, when buying groceries in the store, look at the cost per unit versus the actual price. So, you know, you're comparing different sizes and different brands. And let's just use peanut butter for an ex- example. You may think that, you know, the larger container has is a better deal but you won't know unless you look at the unit cost and the unit That's cost right. is the answer. I mean, if it's, you know, 50 cents per you know unit versus, you know, 45 cents, then you need to buy the one that says 45 cents. It may be a smaller jar. You just don't know until you look at the unit cost. Yeah. You want to have an apples to apples comparison. The right. way to do that is to look at the unit cost. But John, there are a few things I won't go cheap on. You know, oh, what I mean? what's that? I got to have Heinz ketchup. You really? know, I do. I just I, that's you know, and then ma- mayonnaise not. has to be Hellman's for me. Hellman, I you know, yeah. so I don't know. You know, peanut butter is one of those kind of things too. You know, I don't eat much peanut butter, but oh, I love peanut butter. Yeah. Everybody says Jeff. I think Jeff is Jeff kind is of the, yeah, is that's the kind of the one. <laughs> that's so. The- that's you know, the gold standard. You don't want to go cheap on everything, right? I yeah, mean, you gotta, you gotta, you, there are certain things that you know, like, you're just not going to bend. It's kind of like when we talked about buying a mattress. You want to make right. sure you get a good mattress. <laughs> get a good mattress. <laughs> but check the unit cost on those uh, items at the grocery store. Those are definitely, uh, that's the way to compare prices when you're shopping for groceries. Okay, that brings us to a close for this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next week to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Do check us out on our website, moneymd.net, and email us your questions at info at moneymd.net, or give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the week. Have a good one. This program contains general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. This broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVestor Pro is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor. 